you know, I find it amusing. I find it amusing how AEW could make this first impression just with a snap of a finger, while WWE has the tendency of trying to sell their own shows and they're failing miserably. But a lot we will talk about today. This is episode 18 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. I'm the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes, Cheeto Phoenix here. And I want to thank you guys for uh, tuning into this podcast. As we have a lot to discuss, I did watch Dominion. I'm going to share my review on that, and I have the notes in my hands. We're going to talk WWE as always, talk AEW. There's really, news has been pretty slow lately, so you're going to have to bear with me. And I forgot on the last episode the countdown for the uh, top 10 of the Mayon Classic, so I apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. So, as always, you guys know the drill. Anchor has been the best sponsor of this podcast. You may be wondering, why do I use Anchor to record, and why does it go, why is it so easy for me? Simple, because it's 100% free, it's easy to use, and not only that, they distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like your iTunes, if you you have it on your iPhone, you can listen to it on Spotify, you can listen to it on Stitcher, Podbean, you guys know, but... Anchor has been the best sponsor. They are absolutely incredible at what they do. And I obviously, I would recommend anybody who wants to start a podcast, this is your best place to start. It's 100% free. It's easy to use. Just sign up. Go to anchor.fm slash start and sign up. And I look forward to listening to your podcast, whether you talk video games, whether you talk wrestling like myself, whether you talk music, anime, all that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter, guys, at ShinoDPhoenix. You guys are absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. We just reached 700 this week. We are close to 1,000. I want to reach that goal so badly. And you guys are absolutely killing it. And I really, 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 really appreciate it. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh... Also, follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip. Like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling, to get your updates and all that other good stuff. I will be attending a Wildcat show. Got to give my boys a shout-out here. I'm attending a Wildcat show next Saturday, or if you're listening to it on Sunday, this Saturday. Um, I'm really going to enjoy myself there. Wildcat is awesome. And just to run down the card for you guys, for those who don't, know what it is. Wildcat is our local promotion down here in Louisiana, run by our, my boy, Luke Hawks. And I got to I gotta read this card to you guys because this is absolutely awesome to see. So I want to start from the end. So we got Fly Dev. This is a tag team match. Fly Dev versus Fortune 5K. We got a special attraction match. We got referee Saeed versus Jay Spade. Um, Hey, um, Jay Spade, um... At that um, show, do you have any food and drinks after this funeral? So after this start, after this starts, you know, because I'll be attending. I just want to know. <laughs> anyway, we have Edgren Stone, who, for those who don't know, actually tried out at the WWE Performance Center versus Buku Dao. We have the returning Danny Flamingo. He's returning from his injury against. Colt freaking Cabana. I will be at ringside and it, I will get, I will literally record the entrance. I, I will not lie to you right here because this is my first time seeing Colt Cabana live in person. So, and I know how good Colt Cabana is. So, I, I just, I'm just so excited for this. Also, we got Pump Patrol 
our top tag team in uh, Wildcat versus International Superstars. We have Hawks Airy, which is Luke Hawks and his son PJ Hawks, taking on C.W. Anderson and Ryan Davidson. We have A.A.J. from Reality of Wrestling taking on Matt Lancey. We have Jace Valor taking on Steve Anthony for the Wildcat Heavyweight Championship. And we have Chuck um, Devine versus Tracy Smothers. So this is going to be good. I'm looking forward to this. And uh, I and I might talk about it on the podcast if I have the chance. But I will, So I want to update this real quick. I don't know if I might be recording this at next Saturday. But uh, since I'm going to that wrestling show, I might record Friday just to give you guys the early heads up. So we'll see how this works out for for me next week. I do want to talk about New Japan Dominion. I watched the show. I watched the show. I thought it was absolutely a great show. So I literally have my notes in my hand. And let's talk about New Japan Dominion. So we started off with Shota Umino versus John Moxley. This was pretty much a showcase for John Moxley, which, by the way, that IWGP United States Championship looks good around his waist. Just saying. So, Shota, he dives, taking out uh, John Moxley before the bell rings. Uh, Moxley was dominant for the most part of the match. Shota hit a dropkick into the bridge in German, which looked nice for a two-count. Moxley hit the Death Rider to beat Umino, and this match lasted only 3 minutes and 53 seconds. So, post-match, John Moxley said he wants in on the G1 Climax. I'm looking forward to that. I think he's going to do great in that tournament, so, who knows, I think he might win it, just to stick it to WWE, <laughs> anyway, we have Shingo Takaki versus, uh, Satoshi Kojima, Kojima hits the plancha on Shingo, now, both Shingo and Satoshi brawled on the outside, and the ref was telling him to get back in the ring before they reached 20, and they realized, oh, shit, <laughs> like, they were like, oh, shit, we gotta get back in the ring, because <laughs> the ref was at 19, like, oh, crap, so, the machine gun chops followed by Kojima. He follows it up with the running knee strike. Does his uh, signature uh, quote. We have um, Shingo hitting the Death Valley driver on Satoshi on the apron, which was a very brutal spot. We have Satoshi. He hit a DDT on Shingo on the apron. Brutal. We have an avalanche Koji cutter by Kojima for a two count. Kojima then hit a brain buster. And, and by the way, I, I don't know if I told y'all this, but every time someone hits a brain buster, I always scream out, Brain Buster! <laughs> like, don't put me on commentary, because if I do that, you're gonna I'm, I'm going to be doing it nonstop. <laughs> so he hits a brain buster for a two count. Shango hits a lariat for a one count. Now, Shango hits uh, Made in Japan for a two count. Uh, we have Shango. He finishes it off with the Pumping Bomber. Into the last of the dragon to win this match. It lasted 11 minutes and 14 seconds. And I thought this was a really good match. A really, really good match. So post-match, Shingo also wants in on a G1. In the G1 Climax. Holy shit. What could get better than this? Trust me, it's going to get better. We have Jushin Thunder Liger and Yoshihashi versus Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. I'm about to say versus. (laughs) Uh, Suzuki and Zack... Attack Liger and Hashi before the bell rang. Um, Zack and Suzuki worked on the weak arm of Hashi, uh, Suzuki, and ZSJ. They were dominating the most part of this match. So, it was real. like, that's all I could say. Um, Liger, he kicks Hashi in the back, like, as a way to motivate him, get that fighting spirit up. 
We have Liger. He gets the hot tag, takes out both Suzuki and Zack with the Shotes. But, you know, Suzuki's going to uh, clean house after that. You know, Suzuki just said, enough of your bullshit. <laughs> like, you can't bet against Grandpa Suzuki. You can't. <laughs> Anyway, both teams make the tag. Yoshihashi, he takes control. Um, Suzuki and ZSJ hit dueling octopus stretches. And Hashi, he cradles ZSJ to win the match, which I thought was pretty good. Lasted only 9 minutes and 40 seconds. And it involved Liger and Suzuki with their feud. And Yoshihashi challenging um, ZSJ like their feud for the Repro belt. So I thought this was pretty good. Now let's transition into a page, shall we? <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. So we have Taguchi Japan, which is Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, Juice Robinson, which I got news on, by the way, after we talk about uh, New Japan Dominion. We have and Ryusuke Taguchi. I mean, it wouldn't be Taguchi Japan without Ryusuke Taguchi. Just saying. Versus Bullet Club, Jay White, Chase Owens, and Taiji Ishimori. Now, Robinson and Owens start things off. They Robinson hit a flurry of strikes on Owens. And I, w- I would say I laughed so hard. Like, we're fast forward, so bear with me. So, I laughed so hard when Jay White avoided the uh, uh, hip attack from Takuchi. And and it continued on with uh, with <laughs> Chase Owens. He just walked like, eh, I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> anyway, Tanahashi gets the hot tag and he cleans house. Owens gets a nice old school tag. Like, Hits Tanahashi with a PK for a two count. Chase super kicks Juice and avoids a hip attack. That was the funniest moment. That's what I. That's what I talked about. Um, Robinson he hit the left hand of God. Tanahashi then hit the final cut, which really really looked terrible. By the way, I'm sorry. Like I I, I don't know what it is. I think that injury is literally catching up to him a little bit. But I don't know how he sells it. But it just looked terrible. That final cut looked terrible. I'm sorry, Tanahashi. Come in aside, Tanahashi's hot to win the match. This match lasted 9 minutes and 49 seconds. It was decent for what it was. That's the best way I could say it. And also, if you noticed in that match, um, Taiji Ishimori didn't do much, so I think he's still recovering after that um, that G1 Climax. That's no, not the G1 climax. What the hell am I saying? I'm I'm really I'm just waiting for. I just got that on my mind. But the best of the Super Junior, um, he really didn't do much. Like he did minimal. So I think they're giving him time to just recover a little bit. So kudos to them. We got our first title match. We have the Never Openweight Championship on the line. Tomohiro Ishii versus Taichi. And by the way, I just like Taichi's entrance. I just want him to sing every single time he makes his entrance. It's music to my ears, man. Music to my ears. So, Taiji, he slithers out of the ring, like, as a way to uh, stall time. And Tomohiro Ishii just lays in the ring, just waits for Taiji, like, come on, come on, I'm waiting for you, come on. Get your ass in the ring and stop hiding like a little bitch. <laughs> so, Taiji, he provokes Ishii with uh, kicks to the head. And Ishii stiffs him with a forearm. And I got to tell you, man, I don't want to take a forearm from uh, uh, Tomohiro Ishii. And Ishii, he provokes Taichi. Ishii hits a release power slam for, on uh, Taichi Shimori. Taichi with a brutal kick to the side of the Ishii into a lariat to the back and followed it with an enziguri. So that's a nice combination from uh, 
Taichi. Taichi hits the Saito suplex, and let me tell you, man, he landed, like, on the side of his neck. Like, he landed, like, on the side of his neck, Ishii did, for a two count. And that looked brutal. Taichi pushes the ref so he could low blow him, but Ishii counters it into a headbutt. Um, Taichi hits the Axe Bomber and follows it up with the Gato Clutch for a two count. Taichi kicks Ishii in the in the side of the head and hits the last ride, which looked beautiful, for a two count. Ishii hits the Power Bomb into a sliding lariat for a two count, and we have Ishii finishing it off with my favorite, the Brain Buster. To win the Never Openweight Championship. This was a great match. Lasted 16 minutes and 12 seconds. And these guys have great chemistry. I just can't put it in words. They have great chemistry. And that's the best way I could say it. Alright, so we have the IWGP Tag Team Championships. We have Sonata and Evil versus Gorillas of Destiny. And I'm going to get gun stunned from this because... I actually picked against uh, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. So, guys, if you want to send this to Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, tell them I picked against them in Dominion. So, if I ever see them, they should. I would take a gun stun by Tama Tonga. <laughs> anyway, Jado hit. Now, before this match started, Jado actually hit uh, the ring announcer with a Kindle stick, and I LOL'd at that. So, Sonata and Tama start things off. They, um,. Literally try to get the crowd rally, rallying behind them. So they showboated, like I said. Evil and Tangaloa tagged in. Jado, well, Jado, Jado, whatever you want to call him. Um, Jado hits uh, Evil with, in the back with the uh, kendo stick. Um, GOP, they take control of this match. Stereo drop kicks by Tonga and Loa for a two count. We have Sonata putting Tangaloa in the paradise lock. And he takes out Tama and Jado, or Jado. I accidentally put the E on my notes. What is wrong with me? I was exhausted. Uh, Loa hits a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. Tama Tonga started with the Sonata chant, and he doesn't like it. He's like, no, 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 stop, stop. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> he grabs Sonata. He's like, fuck you, Sonata, and tries to chop <laughs> Oh, You got to love Tama Tonga, man. You got to love Tama Tonga. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, superplex by Evil. Sonata follows it up with a moonsault, and Evil hits the Scorpion Deathlock. Jado pulls the ref out in the ring and hits Evil with a candlestick. Bushi makes the save with the miss and takes him out with a suicide dive. But Tama escapes with the mat, escapes the magic killer. He rolls up Evil to win this match. This match, I thought it was pretty okay for what it was, and. I just felt, I just honestly think the tag team division right now feels a little, uh, thin. That's the best way I could say it. It feels a little thin on the heavyweight side. So, it lasted 16 and 40 minutes. Okay match, but, uh, this is just overbooked. That's the best way I could say it. Now, Shibata, this, this was a surprise. Shibata came out. He makes a surprise appearance, and he was pointing at the Titantron. I'm like, what's he pointing at? What's he pointing at? Out comes Kenta, the former Hideo Itami, once and on the G1 Climax. Like, he introduces uh, the world to Kenta, and Kenta wants in. I'm absolutely excited for this one. <laughs> and I just I just couldn't believe it, man. Like, seeing how, like, I thought he was going to go back to pro wrestling Noah, you know? But now he's, go he's working with New Japan. I think this is his first time working New Japan, if anyone could... If 
anyone's listening, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me on Twitter if you have the chance. I don't remember uh, Kenta wrestling in New Japan because I mostly remember him wrestling in Pro Wrestling Noah because he was the ace there at the time. So I think he's going to do great. Him signing with New Japan is a big deal. I actually got news on uh, Kenta on why he signed with New Japan after his WWE departure, after we uh, go through um, Dominion. So that's the that I'm going to bring it to you in a matter of seconds, so bear with me. Anyway... Moving on, we have Will Ospreay versus Dragon Lee for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. I don't know how I could put it in words and how amazing this match is. I don't know how to put it in words on how fucking awesome Will Ospreay is. He is literally on the list of best wrestlers in the world right now. He is the li- he is on my list on my favorite wrestlers in the UK. The dude is absolutely incredible. And I'm not taking anything away from Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee is impressive as well. And he works so damn well with Will Ospreay. And I and I, I that's literally this match is literally on my list for best match of 2019. This isn't probably the match of the year in my eyes. But anyway, Will he hits a step up into Gary, uh hits a top row uh 619 or a Tiger Fane kick for those who wants to call it that. Dragon Lee, he turns things around by counter countering the springboard form into the STO. We had a handspring in Zaguri by Osprey. He tries to go for the Sasuke special, lands on his feet, and I think this was the best spot of the night. And Lee, he connects the knee strike, places uh, him into the commentary table, and hits a brutal suicide dive. And I'm telling you, he literally... Came at him like a fucking missile, striking at his uh, predis- at his opponent. He literally came in like a bullet on a missile, like he struck Osprey so hard. I literally had to watch that five times, and I shit you not, I watched that spot five times. Can- carrying on, um, straight jacket suplex by Lee for a two count. Osprey he hit a beautiful, beautiful corkscrew moonsault on the outside. We had a reverse bloody Sunday by Osprey for a two count. Lee counters the uh, counters Osprey with the uh, tilt to world DDT, spiking him, and Osprey counters Lee's des um, daughter into a cutter. We had a poison Rana by Lee. Osprey hits a Spanish fly for a two count. Lee hits a Rana on Osprey over the ropes and into the floor, but Osprey lands on his feet. I don't even know if uh, Will Osprey's human. He's really Spider-Man, ladies and gentlemen. He's Spider-Man. Um, we had an apron power bomb by Osprey. He followed it up with a shooting star press for a two count. Robinson special connects, goes for the Oz cutter, but Lee counters with a jumping knee strike. He literally attacks uh Osprey when he tried to go for the Oz cutter, hits the jumping knee strike, and you could and that was that was a nice counter. That's what I gotta say. Um Lee hits a double stomp on the apron. Mexican Destroyer into a knee strike for a two count. Absolutely incredible by uh, Dragon Lee. Osprey escapes the Destucadora into a roundhouse kick or the spinning kick. Um, he hits it into a ripcord Fuji kick, the hook kick, by the way. Um, Hidden Blade connects Ozcutter into the Stormbreaker, and Osprey wins the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Match lasted 20 minutes. In eight seconds, and this was an excellent match. So, 
Dragon Lee, he straps the title on Osprey, and he wants Robbie Eagles, like Osprey wants Robbie Eagles for a title match in Melbourne. So I'm looking forward to that because their match in the Best of the Super Junior was fantastic. If it wasn't for El Fantasmo sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. And sorry, but I think this is going to be great. I think this is going to be great. Next, we have the IWGP Intercontinental Championship on the line. We have Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi. These guys work so well together. Everything they do is just so great. And there was one spot in the match that everybody was talking about that um, literally, literally got people talking about Kota Ibushi. Anyway, this is your co-main event. 55 seconds and they locked up. So they stared at each other for 55 seconds before they, before they locked up. Naito was in control in the crowd, and Osaka was booing him. Like, this is the beginning part. They were booing this guy. Um, Naito started provoking Ibushi. Ibushi, he hits the double stomp on Naito. Ibushi combination into the step Rana, and he followed it up with a twisting plancha. We had a snap German by Ibushi, and Naito hits a DDT, spiking him on his head. Now, this spot, and this is where I have to just stop myself for a second... Naito, he hit Ibushi with a German suplex, and it was right on the apron. And Ibushi's landed, like, so badly on the side of the apron. Like, you could see him, his head, like, fold. And that was just, like, I, I don't want Ibushi to take spots like that anymore. It's, for the sake of me as a fan and for the sake of his health, I don't want him to risk injuring his neck even further. I don't want him to... In his wrestling career with spots like this, I just don't want him to land on his neck. And that might risk, like, they're up in, I'm really saying this to the point where if he does something like reckless, I don't want to say he's reckless, but if he does something like that and he can't move and he might be, like, I don't want to say he, he would be paralyzed, but it could be possible if it happened. But I would just say, like, tone it down a little bit. Just tone it down. That's all. But that spot really made my neck cringe. And I just hope they don't do. he doesn't do the spot like that ever again. So, we had an avalanche reverse Frankensteiner for a two count by Naito. Ibushi hits a gigatonic sp- spike in Naito's head. Naito hits a dragon suplex and follows it up with a destino for a near fall. GTS by Ibushi and he follows it up with the last ride or what I call the Golden Star Powerbomb. For a two count. Naito com- counters the Kamagoye into a DDT. Spiking Ibushi for a two count. Naito hits a reverse DDT for a two count. Naito then hits a Poison Rana. Into the Valentia for a two count. And finishes Ibushi off with Destino. To win the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. This was a great match. To no surprise to anybody. And it lasted 22 minutes and 10 seconds. Now... Where do we go from here? I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Finally, our main event. We have Chris Jericho versus Kazushka Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. 50 seconds, they started locking. And we had Okada chasing Jericho on the outside, which I laughed so hard at. Jericho counters the missile dropkick into the walls of Jericho. He DDT'd Okada into the Japanese commentary table. And he was like, oh, God, uh, oh, God, uh. Jericho grabs the table under the ring and he just sets it up just to put, like, he wanted to um, pile drive Okada, like, head first into the uh, table. Jericho grabs the camera, but 
Like, let me rewind for a bit. But Okada escaped. Jericho, he grabbed the camera after laying out Okada, which I laughed out loud. Jericho hits a crossbody for a two count. And Jericho's dominating most of this match. You hear him screaming, huh, you little shit. Come on, Okada, you son of a bitch. Huh? <laughs> you gotta love Jericho, man. And before I continue, hey, um, Matt, Nick Jackson, Cody, Kenny, can you please thank Chris Jericho? Please. I thanked him like two million times. Anyway, we had a flapjack by Okada to take control. Okada goes for the running crossbody, but Jericho, now this was on the outside. He goes for the running crossbody on the outside, and Jericho counters it into a code breaker, which is a really nice spot. Jericho counters the tombstone into the walls of Jericho. I thought he was going for the lion tamer. Um, drop kick from Okada, which is a thing of beauty. Like, out of any wrestler, Okada has the best-looking dropkick that I have ever seen, and I seriously say that for a thousand times. He has the best dropkick in professional wrestling. Um... Moving on, we have Okada hitting a tombstone power driver, goes for the Rainmaker, but Jericho counters it into a powerbomb for a near fall. Jericho hits a springboard dropkick on Okada, in which Okada manages to uh, hit the uh, elbow drop, does the Rainmaker pose, goes for the Rainmaker, but Jericho hits an enziguri. Jericho goes hits the Lion Tamer for, no, not the Lion Tamer, he hits a Lion Salt for a two count. Okada hits the shotgun. The Shogun dropkick, the shotgun dropkick, proceeds to stomp on Jericho. Jericho hits a cold breaker for a two count, and Jericho tries to go for the Rainmaker, but Okada counters it into a cold breaker for a two count. Oh my goodness, that was that was a nice spot. We have a spinning tombstone by spinning tombstone pile driver by Okada. Jericho counters the Rainmaker into the walls of Jericho, but then finally, Okada cradles Jericho to win the match. And if anybody did not pay attention, Jericho's shoulder was Jericho's shoulder was up, so he got screwed. Jericho got screwed. <laughs> so post match, Jericho um beats beats up uh, Okada, and this match lasted 25 minutes and 42 seconds, and it was a really good match. And he manages to hit the Judas effect on Okada. Tanahashi makes the save. And sends Jericho running. So Jericho, he grabs the mic, calls Tanahashi, Bakahashi. I laughed at that. And he says that he is the greatest of all time. And even in this bullshit country of Japan. He tell like, he, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say. He closes the show. He says, I'll see you soon, Okada. Happy championship, bitch. <laughs> I laughed at that. I really laughed at that. And it looks like it really looks like um Jericho is going to be feuding with Tanahashi next. So, let's see where that goes from here. Now, speaking of Kenta, Kenta, the former Hideo Itami, and as I'm trying to charge my phone since it's about to die, um why so he explained why he signed with New Japan after his WWE departure. Now, Kenta Kenta, he spoke with New Japan commentator Chris Charlton, who is awesome, by the way, about why he signed with New Japan, and he noted that he wanted to show his work to the world as Kenta and praise New Japan for expanding into new markets. Now, Kenta said, and I quote, Now, New Japan goes worldwide. I want to show my wrestling to the world as Kenta, not Hideo Itami. 
I want to show my wrestling to the world and New Japan goes worldwide. US, UK, everybody knows New Japan. So I decided New Japan. And I think this is great, man. I think this is great. And I want to, I, I always say this in my mind time and time again. Like, Hideo Itami could have been a star. Like, he could have been a big star, but I'm not putting the blame on WWE. Injuries played a major part. He had that major shoulder injury to the point that kept him out for like two years. Like, had he not got hurt, and he would have taken the he would have took the belt from um Kevin Owens at that Japan show, Beast in the East. And I stand by that. I really do. I think he would have took the title from uh, Kevin Owens. He would have been a bigger name on NXT, but injuries had to rear his ugly head, and. He pretty much didn't do much of anything on 205 Live. He was losing matches, and, like, he was winning matches. Like, I think they just changed a lot of things. Like, they took away the GTS when he broke Brian Kendrick's nose, and it was an accident. Accidents happen. And he had to reinvent that that GTS spot. But, man, what a big... I mean, I, I, I just think that Kenta would have been a big star in... In WWE had injuries did not play a factor into this. So I stand by that. And But I think he's going to do great in New Japan. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from him. That's his decision. He wants to join New Japan. I'm really happy that he's in New Japan. And who knows? Maybe Shibata might be his manager. Just throwing that idea out there. He did the pose. Why not? <laughs> I'm down with it. So... So good luck to uh, Kenta, and I, and I think he's gonna do well in the uh, G1 Climax uh, coming soon. Uh, Juice Robinson he finished with Ring of Honor, New Japan talent don't want to work with them. So, so it looks as though Juice Robinson's time with Ring of Honor may have come to an end, according to Voices of Wrestling Patreon podcast, which, which I'm, I'm like I'm reading this on What Culture, by the way. So, Robinson, who two weeks back lost his New Japan United States uh, IWGP Championship to the debuting John Moxley, said to have been unhappy with the company and has asked to not be booked in future. In the future, the former C.J. Parker joined Ring of Honor last year along with Dave Finley, as well as as a posse including Bandito, Mark Haskins, who. Wanted to challenge Alistair Black. He wanted to pick a fight with him, by the way. Tracy Williams and Tennille Dashwood, collectively known as Lifeblood, with Juice squeezed out, it's unclear what the direction for the stable is going. Um, Robinson isn't the only man in New Japan unhappy with Ring of Honor. Lanza and Rich further discussed that talent in Japan's top promotion no longer want to be associated with ND... What the ND as it undermines their appeal. Ring of Honor's status within the wrestling world has dramatically displaced thanks to the emergence of AEW with many top talents departing for Tony Khan's group. One man who could be Ring of Honor bound in the near future is Davey Boy Smith Jr. as he seeks fresh pastures after reporting finishing up his duties with New Japan. Though it's unknown whether Smith chose to walk or was pushed, he has been very vocal about his creative frustration with New Japan these days. I mean, you look at New Japan, 
you look in you look at Ring of Honor, out in like not New Japan, like you look at Ring of Honor, like I saw like a photo of one of their tapings. It did not look good. It didn't look good. And I, it really did kind of lose its appeal. And I'm, I want to try and get back into Ring of Honor, but it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just something is not clicking with me with uh, Ring of Honor right now. I mean, after the Young Bucks and Cody left, along with Kenny, who makes sporadic appearances in, uh, excuse me, in uh, Ring of Honor, I just don't know what it is. It's just not clicking. Now, Davy Boy Smith, I could see him uh, in Ring of Honor. I don't know how they're going to utilize him, but it gets some uh, faces and gets people talking, but I don't know what it is. It's like people from Ring of Honor are leaving left and right, and some people want to work AEW. Now, speaking of AEW, Sean Spears, you may remember as Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10. He has officially signed with All Elite Wrestling. Round of applause, please. Absolutely deserves it, man. Absolutely deserves it. And and I just literally said, you have to be crazy to not sign Sean Spears after Double or Nothing's Casino Battle Royal. After that response he got. So... And this was revealed on the um, latest episode of the Road to Fighter Fest, which I absolutely, I absolutely like. That that episode was fantastic. I, I the only thing I would say, look at Joey Janela, look at Joey Janela's promo on John Moxley. That is a thing of beauty, a thing of beauty. And yes, he name dropped Kevin Dunn. Bucktooth McBeaver face, the Toothinator, the Wood guy, that guy, you know. And we also revealed they also revealed on the road to fighter that we have a triple threat, and and as Brandy promised, it's not going to be a fatal four way. She promised it's going to be a triple threat match. Um, it's going to be Nyla Rose versus Riho, who absolutely impressed me a lot, versus Yuka Sakazaki. And I think this is going to be a great match. And we have a, we learn more about Darby Allen, which if you watch the Road to Fido Fest, watch episode two, you're going to know a lot more about him. And man, he has made a big impression, you know, from him working WWN, working Evolve, facing guys like Cassius Ono, guys from NXT, you know. I think Darby Allen's going to do great. He's going to be facing uh, Cody at fighter fest and uh and it's gonna be free for those who don't know and this is the updated card right now we got michael nakazawa versus alex jabaley i don't know if i pronounced it right so i apologize cody rhodes versus darby allen we have kenny omega and the young bucks the elite versus the lucha brothers and a mystery partner so i'm looking forward to see who that could be we have john moxley versus joey janela we have Adam Hangman Page versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy versus MJF. This was revealed on Being the Elite. Fun, and it was just hilarious on how they got us there. We have Christopher Daniels versus Seema and re- the triple threat match, the women's triple threat match. And like I said, Fighter Fest will be streaming free. And 
is going to be for everyone watching at home on the Bleacher Report live service. So, and I'm glad that it's free. Jericho, he pulled out because why would I do it for free when I would be paying you $100 to watch me perform? Stupid idiot. <laughs> so, let's move on from Fighter Fest to AEW's All Out. You might as well change it to Sold Out because they sold out in less than 15 minutes. Again, what was that about a t-shirt company? What was that about a t-shirt company going to be a massive failure? Huh? Boy, that t-shirt company is making waves. Just saying. That t-shirt company is getting people in WWE to leave. Why? Because they're being shackled. They're being handcuffed. This is a big deal, man. This is a big deal. So, like, literally... They literally tweeted out 15 minutes. AEW sold out. And I know most of my friends who are going to go to Chicago. So to all my friends going to Chicago, to all my followers who are going to Chicago, have fun at AEW's Double or Nothing. And I don't know, man. Some people say they might see CM Punk. And we only got two matches on this card. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. I'm excited for that. Follows up to what happened at... um. Double or nothing. And of course, the inaugural AEW World Heavyweight Championship match between Hangman Page and Chris Jericho. And you know what? I'm going with Chris Jericho. I was thinking Hangman Page, but it makes sense for Chris Jericho to win because he's the greatest of all time. That's the best terminology I could say about Chris Jericho. So, congratulations to everyone who, who, um, Sold out All Elite Wrestling's uh, All Out. And Cody, Matt, and Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega. Th- like, you see, when they sell out, when they sold out this show, this is absolute passion. This is people who want legit wrestling. They don't, like, you want to be entertained. I could watch a comedy show. Like, you want entertain- You want wrestling to be entertaining? Look at AEW. It's all about wrestling. It's not about some bullshit um. It's not about some bullshit storyline that we see every single fucking week to the point where it gets exhausting. But it is what it is, and congratulations to uh, those guys for making it feel believable. Speaking of which, they got Rafael Morifi, who worked as a senior director at live events from WWE. He joined um, AEW. He made the news public when he announced in his latest venture in the pro wrestling business in a post on his official Twitter account. This is what he said. He said, Today, I commenced my first day as a full-time AEW employee. Honored to be a part of this historic journey. An amazing team has been assembled. Excited to collaborate with everyone at AEW. And he also said, quick reminder, tickets for All Out are on sale on June 14, which is sold out. But I'm looking for... So, congratulations to him. I mean, it's better to leave WWE if you're not going to be appreciated. And speaking of WWE, so WWE is having a difficult time, is literally having difficulties selling tickets, and they are not good. And WWE is trying to find out why us fans are not interested. Well, you don't say. What I wonder why. I wonder why, you may ask. Is it because we're getting rematches up the ass? With um Roman and Drew, with Lacey and Becky Lynch, with um 
Corbin and Rollins and D- Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston and Bliss and Bailey cuz it's not a fresh match. Just because it's a SmackDown Women's Championship does not make it a fresh match. Go back 2 years ago and come back to me. So, anyway, continuing on. Tickets for ticket sales for WWE Stomping Ground Rounds are not doing so well, and it's probably because the card is comprised mostly of rematches and stale feuds. WWE wants to know your thoughts on the announced match for the show. And the WWE.com poll, they listed each match and want fans to say if they're interested, if they're extremely interested, very interested, somewhat interested, a little bit interested, or not interested at all. Fans are also encouraged to give the reasons for their answers. So... Let's have a little fun, shall we? Let's have a little fun. We're going to talk about every match. So, we'll start with the Universal Championship match. Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. I am not interested at all in this because it's a rematch from Super Showdown 3, Saudi Mania 3. We do anything to beg and plea. Don't care about it. Don't care about it. Baron Corbin has changed the channel. Go away, Heat. And he's not a good, and he's not playing it. He, like he's literally having that go away heat. That's all I'm gonna say about Baron Corbin. And I would rather, I would literally rather Seth Rollins to face a guy like a uh, Ricochet, a Cesaro, just throwing that names out there. We have Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match for the WWE Championship. I'm somewhat looking forward to this because I know these two work well together. But I'm just, I don't know what it is. I just can't find myself to care. But I know these guys could work well together. We have Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. I don't give two shits about this match whatsoever. Again, this is a rematch for Money in the Bank. Why is Lacey Evans getting the title shot for doing absolutely nothing? She's blonde. Ladies and gentlemen, she's blonde. And I apologize to anybody who gets offended to that. She is blonde. And her in-ring skills is absolutely terrible. Like, my goodness, man. I've seen uh, someone on Twitter post a video of of Lacey selling the Bailey to Belly on the aftermath of Raw when she saved Becky Lynch. That was absolutely god Awful. Absolutely god awful. And like I said, she, like many people have been saying, she was called up too soon. She was called up too soon. And yet she's getting the title shot because Vince McMahon has that certain agenda. Vince McMahon has that certain agenda of what how he pushes women. So so you're telling me that um let me just Go out the way and say, you're telling me Naomi won't make a great opponent for Becky. Like, the only person that I could only see taking on Becky Lynch is not anybody from Raw. It's some it's someone from NXT, and that name is Shayna Baszler. Why not? Shayna's the one that's going to dethrone Becky Lynch, and that's my prediction when she gets called up. That's when I think she's going to drop it to whoever she's facing at TakeOver, but... And note, I did read the spoilers. I'm not going to tell you who it is. So, so it is what it is. SmackDown Women's Championship match. We have Bayley versus Alexa Bliss. I don't give a single fuck about this match. I don't care about this match. You have a Raw superstar 
challenging for the SmackDown Women's Championship, you might as well just merge the women's division and just save us the misery, okay? I don't care about this match for two reasons. Number one, 2017, their feud was absolutely garbage. Now, Bayley was the Raw Women's Champion. Now, I'm going to throw a little history at you. And she was in San Jose, and she lost that title to Alexa Bliss. We had This Is Your Mo- this is your Life Bailey, which was absolutely one of the worst segments of 2017. We had, um, let's see, we have um, a candlestick on a pole match. Please, anybody wants to see that again, nobody wants to see that again. And they're going to be face-to-face on SmackDown uh, on the go-home show. And I would not be surprised if they give the belt to Alexa Bliss. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Just to stick it to Sasha Banks? Like, this is... Like, I just don't understand. You have Ember Moon. You have Asuka. You have Kyrie Sane. And I could throw in Liv Morgan. Like, you... and, And Sonya and Mandy. I would rather take Mandy Rose over Alexa Bliss. To challenge Bayley. And... This was this doesn't this doesn't make any sense. You might as well just end the brand split. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Who the fuck cares? I don't. I don't care about this. I honestly don't. Cause it's a rematch from WrestleMania 35. I don't want to see it again. And man, has Drew McIntyre is more of a lackey than his own identity. He should have his own identity than being a lackey for Shane McMahon. Just saying. Just saying. Man, 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 the good old days when he was in the independent scene, he was killing it on the indies. He pretty much, like, he pretty much um made a name for himself, went to NXT, made that success for himself on NXT, and here he is on the main roster, and he's a lackey. He's a lackey for Shane McMahon, who's getting more TV time than, than most of the guys that are not being on Featured on television. Shame. Absolutely shameful. And I looked at the picture of the ticket sales. Like, I look at the tickets. My goodness, I saw a lot of blue than clear. Clear white. Yep, Stomping Ground is a worthless pay-per-view. Don't care about it. This is what happens when you have... This is what happens when you have your pay-per-view schedules being all fucked up. And now you got this Saudi show that you had to put focus on. And then you had two weeks of build for Stomping Grounds, which is a which is absolutely a meaningless pay-per-view. You might as well just limit your pay-per-views. Like, do what TakeOver does. Like, you don't have to do it once a month. But don't overexpose. Like, don't fucking, uh, like, overdo it. That's all I could say about it. Sasha Banks agrees with fans are are supporting a shitty company for its past greatness. Sasha Banks has a lot of options, but she might not be able to speak her mind about everything right now. She's still under contract with WWE and is posing a big issue since she is rather limited to what she can do or say. However, Banks can certainly let others do the talking. Now, Sasha Banks hasn't been seen on WWE television since WrestleMania, since she lost the titles to the Iconics. I still question why. Um, She did show up in New York City a couple of weeks ago to meet with Vince McMahon, which I don't think things are getting better. I I don't know if things are finalized, if things are getting better. Um, And a return is expected for this summer. I don't know. But it hasn't taken place yet. 
the boss was able to make a 2K20 video shoot, but this, but that didn't involve her being in the ring at all. Some fans were quickly noticed that Sasha Banks liked a very observant post on the IWZ from this guy, Too Sweet Mania, at Too Sweet Mania, that could sum up how she feels about WWE right now. The fact that she liked the tweet certainly seems to illustrate the boss agrees. And it says, and I quote, this is what uh, Too Sweet Mania posted, well, tweeted. With every passing Raw and SmackDown, I grow less and less interested in the product. I agree 100%, and I'm adding into that. I'm starting to realize that I'm supporting a shitty company for its past greatness rather than critiquing its current bullshit. I can't even sit through Raw or SmackDown anymore. Like, this could indicate that Sasha Banks has no patience for WWE anymore, and she might not even be able to sit through a full episode of their television shows at this point. We have to wait and see if Banks does eventually uh, make a return, but as long as she's liking posts like this, it might not be the best sign, unquote. Like I said, Sasha Banks, she should walk out. I could see her thriving with... Uh, Impact's women's Impact's knockouts division. I could see her thriving in Japan. I could see her working in Shimmer. I could see her working in AEW, most definitely. And I'm not saying that they should get every single WWE star. They have to build their talent up from the. They have to build their own talent up. I don't want them to rely on signing every single WWE employees, former WWE employees that want out. Just saying, but. But I'm I'm like Sasha, you should just stay out. Like if if I see her return, she should return to NXT where she feels appreciated. I don't want to see her on the main roster because if she goes back to the main roster, she is dead as water. Vince could promise her the world, like I've been saying. Vince can promise her the world. Vince could promise her everything. Money does not buy happiness. People just all she wants to do is fucking wrestle. Like that's why Sean Spears left. All he wants to do is wrestle. And now look where he's at. He's in AEW. It wouldn't surprise me if Sasha Banks is next in line. Moving on. John Cena is seriously considering retiring from WWE. Now, John Cena, he's also on Fast and Furious. He's going to be on Fast and Furious 9. Good for him. Um, He was recently interviewed on TMZ Sports. And, um, oh, and by the way, he's hosting All You Smarter Than the Fifth Grader, by the way. So TMZ caught up uh, with Cena, and he didn't seem too positive that he had too much, that he had much of a run left in him in WWE. He said, and I quote, "I think an individual's career is up to the individual. I think that is pretty much the only way I can describe that. You know, I've been having the same conversation with myself, and I'm only 42. It's something we have to address each day, and it's individually specific. When those people are ready to stop, they'll stop." And I honestly think Cena, he's done everything he needs to do. And I respect Cena, man. Like, people may not like John Cena, but you got to respect what he has given uh, WWE. But I think he's done everything he needs to do. I mean, he's focusing on movies now. He's hosting Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader. I mean, he's finding life outside of WWE. And kudos to John Cena, man. Kudos to John Cena. Dave Batista. Batista. Huh, Batista. Sorry for the people who are listening to this with their earphones on. 
So Batista says WWE creative directions has gotten worse by not giving superstars freedom. Batista, you are a genius. Now, so Batista might be very busy with his movie career right now, but he did find time to make a return to wrap up his WWE career the way he wanted to at WrestleMania 35. While speaking of Wrestling Sheet Radio, um, Batista opened up about WWE's creative process. He didn't like it when he was around during his last run with the company, and since then, it seems to have only gotten worse. Superstars aren't able to express themselves because there is a team of writers and producers behind everything they do. Everyone wants to ca- everyone wants to cater to what Vince McMahon wants as well as because they know he has no problem firing backstage workers. The Animal continued to discuss something that Chris Jericho once said that John Cena is the last superstar who achieved his status in the old way. Now it seems impossible to achieve due to WWE's creative system. Dave Batista said, and I quote, The creative process I still don't get. It was a nightmare to me the last time I was there, which was 2014. And it was, and it seems like it's become worse. It seems, it seems that they've just, I feel like they don't have a clear vision or a long-term vision. Everything's just week to week, and it doesn't seem like they stick to a plan very much. I don't think that guys, and I'm going to steal this from somebody, but Jericho pointed out something to me that makes complete sense. He said that John Cena, he's the last guy. He's the last guy who's going to be over like he is. It's because performers now, they're limited. Their hands are tied. They can't go to war like we used to. Um, We used to go to war and beat the crap out of each other and earn a level of respect from people. It was a different level of respect. It was a different level of getting over. We had more freedom. We could be more we could be more full of piss and vinegar. We could be more on the edge and the guys are are just not given that freedom anymore. And I agree with Batista 100% cuz everybody down in WWE's main roster are shackled. They're chained like a dog, not getting not getting the opportunity and and I think they, and I honestly think with John Moxley leaving, like he broke out of his prison with WWE and he found life outside with AEW and working the independence and working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I think, like, that's the only way you could get free. Cause I don't see, like, everything just feels forced when you watch Raw and SmackDown. Everything feels so damn forced to the point where you just lose that appeal. And I'm with um, I'm with Dave Batista on this. The creative process is just terrible, absolutely terrible. You should do long term instead of week to week. Like that's what that's the best way I could say it. Now Mike Johnson, he had a list of misused WWE superstars. He compiled on PW Insider Elite, and we're gonna we're gonna list. He's gonna list all of them, so I'm gonna give my thoughts about this list. So, EC3, how you dropped the ball with EC3, I don't understand. You shouldn't have called him up to NXT to begin with. He went from the top one percent and himself saying the bottom one percent, and I I just feel so so bad for EC3, like I really do. He deserves so much better, and I don't know if... I honestly think he might be uh, out of WWE as soon as his contract is up. 
And the only way that could save him is if he goes back to NXT. That's the only thing that could save him. Matt Hardy, I mean, I mean, without Jeff, it's, I don't know what it is. But, I mean, he could get away with stuff. He could get away with stuff, but he has been misused. The broken gimmick just died. And I don't think they will let him go back to the broken uh, Matt Hardy character. Buddy Murphy. Where the fuck is Buddy Murphy? Oh, that's right. He's the best kept secret. So let's not feature him for four fucking weeks. Let's just feature him on house shows. Luke Harper. He's good as gone. Gallows and Anderson. Good as gone. Eric Young. What what happened to him, man? What the hell happened to him? He was so good in NXT with Sanity. And soon as they bought them to the main roster, killed them dead. Killed them dead. And now he's chasing the 24-7 title. What a way for Eric Young, right? I think he's good as gone. Drake Maverick, I'm hearing he's getting a lot of praise, but I, I just don't know what it is with Drake Maverick, man. He should just stick to managing 205 Live. Um, Bo Dallas... Curtis Axel, the B-team, 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 please go, go, go away. And Curtis Axel could have been a perfect hire mid-carder for himself, but you got him doing goofy stuff like this. Bo Dallas was once the NXT champion, had that um that heel-like attitude, and I don't know what it is with Bo Dallas, man. He's, he's just lost his appeal. Big Show, he's retired. Chad Gable, he moved to um, he moved to 205 Live, and which is great for him because, I mean, it will work. It works out for him. And apparently, now speaking of Chad Gable, he had a match with um Jack Gallagher on uh, 205 Live. The match ended in a countout, which it didn't wasn't supposed to happen. And I believe Jack Gallagher slipped and kayfabe. Well, shoot-wise, you have to the ref had to do his job, so it wasn't supposed to end like that. But I think Chad Gable's going to be the next cruiserweight champion. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, where is Shelton Benjamin? We haven't seen him since the uh, 50-man battle royal. Primo and Epico, are they employed still? I thought they were released. Robert Roode, oh my goodness, man, what have you done to Bobby Roode? Was the top heel? On NXT, and now he's reduced to fighting, chasing after the 24-7 title. Good way to ruin Bobby Roode, ladies and gentlemen. Rusev, he may, he is good as gone. He's good as gone. I think he's never come, I don't think he's ever going to resign. He's just good as gone. I think Ring of Honor will be welcoming him with open arms. Impact will welcome him with open arms. Any promotion will welcome Rusev and Lana with open arms. Because Rusev deserves so much better, man. Shinsuke Nakamura. Where the bloody fuck is Shinsuke Nakamura? And I am not going to... And he was at that um 50-man battle royal. Got tossed out by Sin Cara. And he's not even featured in a prominent role. How you take a guy from New Japan, from Shinsuke Nakamura, who did so great in NXT, became a two-time NXT champion, called him up to the main roster in a meaningless feud with Dolph Ziggler, feuded him with Jinder Mahal, and made him lose twice. And by the way, Shinsuke Nakamura, he beat John Cena. He beat Randy Orton. By the way, by the way, he wins the battle. He wins that Royal Rumble in 2018. Challenges AJ Styles, which should have main evented WrestleMania 34, and I'm not letting that go. 
I am not letting that go. Only for him to lose the feud, he gets the title, the U.S. title, does nothing with it. WWE, Vince McMahon does nothing with it. Have him drop it to Rusev, only for him to win the belt back, only for him to drop it to R-Truth, and now he's paired with Rusev because they have no idea what the fuck to do with both Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. Great way of bringing up a guy from New Japan, shall we? <sighs> Sin Cara. I don't, I don't even know what I can say. I just don't know what I can say. He hasn't been featured much on television, so they have nothing for him. Go back to NXT, my friend. Go back to NXT. Mojo Raleigh, he is he he I don't even know what is what what's his gimmick. I just don't know what it is. I, I just don't know what it is, and I just don't care about him. Mike Kanellis, I mean now speaking of Mike Kanellis, um him and uh his wife Maria, they signed a new multi-year deal, so they're gonna be staying on 205 Live. And they've signed a new five-year deal according to Ryan Satin from Pro Wrestling Sheet. So, I don't know what made them that decision to sign, to re-sign with them, but if they're happy on 205 Live, then kudos to them. And if Mike Kanellis wins the Cruiserweight Championship, I wouldn't mind it. I absolutely, I absolutely wouldn't mind it. The fucking War Raiders. How you fucked up the War Raiders by calling them up to the main roster. Like... War Machine to War Raiders to the Viking Experience to the fucking Viking Raiders. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And you never, like, you had them vacate the titles. The tag titles. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't have called them up in the first place. They could have dropped it to the Street Profits. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. It would make the most sense. But here you are, calling up the War Raiders. You changed their name to the Viking Experience, which killed their credibility from day one. And they haven't been featured in four weeks. Four weeks. And if they're not featured again, like, they were featured on main events last week. They were featured on main events. Nobody watches main event. And now, here we, here I sit here today, and if they're not featured again, they might be good as gone. That's the best way I could say. You could have just kept them on NXT. And anyway, Johnson also noted that you can include virtually any female on the roster as well as the women's tag team champions, the Iconics. Asuka went from being undefeated. She lost to Charlotte. Her momentum literally died slowly. And she got back up a little bit when she won the SmackDown Women's Championship from uh, Charlotte and Becky Lynch in that great main event with the TLC match. What, and um, they didn't do much with her. She tapped Becky Lynch out, which you could have done a story with, with uh, Asuka and Becky Lynch, and she taps out to Charlotte Flair before WrestleMania to make this women's main event historical and intriguing because they didn't, Vince didn't want to see Charlotte as the third wheel. Um, excuse me, Vince. Charlotte has been the third wheel in this match. So you could have thought of something better than having her get the belt on her and getting the belt on Charlotte, which the unification match, I mean, they didn't unify the damn titles. You could have merged the women's division and unified the titles right there and make it a white, make it something white like the women's tag team titles. And you called up Kyrie Sane to pair her up with Asuka and they haven't been featured in four fucking weeks. Like, what's the point of having... Having these women, these talented women, you have a gold mine in Asuka and Kyrie Sane, and you don't want to use them for four fucking weeks? Like, what type of shit is that? What type of shit is that? Ember Moon, she's in the back, 
playing on her Nintendo Switch, which I like, by the way, and and she's being bullied by Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. She's not even wrestling. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Ember Moon, they also have a gold mine with this woman. Liv Morgan, you move her to SmackDown, and you're not doing nothing with her. You're not doing anything with her. Naomi, need I say more? Need I say more? And the Iconics, their tag team title reign is absolutely horrendous. I, I just don't know what it is with the Iconics. I don't see them as legit cha- champions. I don't see them as legit champions. That's the best way I could say it. Speaking of which, WWE could be preparing a huge title feud. WWE has a lot of options for Finn Balor after he beat Andrade clean to at the WWE Super Showdown. It might have been nice to see... No, it might have been nice for Andrade to have won the title since his mother passed away. For those who don't know, um, his mom, he passed away hours after after his match. And that's why he wasn't on SmackDown, so he could be with his family. So, my uh, condolences still, my condolences go to um, Andrade and his family. Because no one likes to lose a parent, man. Nobody likes to lose a parent. Um, But Balor is still champion. The IC title could be ready for new challenges, and Shinsuke Nakamura might fit that bill because Balor versus Nakamura was the dark match after the blue brand and purple brands shows were done last night. Now, why Balor versus Nakamura didn't main event the television show is another story, but if they are hiding that match, then they could be saving it for a bigger stage. With SummerSlam coming up, Nakamura is due for a big match. Then again, so is his tag team partner, Rusev. You never know what WWE could be planning, but perhaps placing Nakamura versus Balor in a dark match for just the fans in attendance is a sign that they are preparing for something bigger down the line for those two former New Japan stars. Anything to get Shinsuke Nakamura on television, because, you know, I'm a fan of Shinsuke Nakamura. I've been a fan of him since his days in New Japan. When he came to NXT, I was absolutely happy for this guy. I was really happy for all the work that he did in NXT. His debut was one of the best NXT debuts that I have ever seen in my entire life. Don't at me. Don't at me. It was the best TakeOver debut ever. And to see him sitting in the back doing nothing and just literally wasting away, I I just don't know, man. I just don't know. And that's what it is. But if this is a way to build their matchup at SummerSlam, I actually wouldn't mind it. <sighs> Sorry, I have to drink some water to clear my throat. <sighs> but I honestly think, I mean, if this happens at SummerSlam, I would like Shinsuke to win the title and make up for what he did with the U.S. title. Don't have him sit in the back doing nothing. Just have Nakamura make that title feel important like he did with the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. That's all you got to do. That's all you have to do. I mean, I think this will be a great match if it's booked properly, if the story is built properly, if you don't handcuff both Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura. Let them go out there for like 30 minutes and tear the house down. Let them go out there and show the world why they're the best. That's the best. That's what I would do. Like, don't just keep Shinsuke Nakamura in the back doing absolutely nothing. Just don't do that. Don't do that. Lars Sullivan. His match is apparently pulled due to injury. I don't know if he's, like, he's been working Raw. He's been working SmackDown. I, like, he's a SmackDown guy, right? So, 
I don't know. I don't know. I just don't care about it. Now, Dave Meltzer, he noted on the Wrestling Observer Radio how Sullivan had a match scheduled for this week's SmackDown Live on the Go Home Show. Um, but it was pulled due to the freak suffering a minor injury, which I'm hearing that the injury could be worse than expected. So he was supposed to face Matt Hardy. Now, <clears throat> like Meltzer, he said um, it is worse than originally than to believe, so he might get an MRI, and if he if it's really major, then he's going to be out. Vince McMahon, he also might move on from uh, Law Sullivan, which he said, and I quote, he's been doing, he's been through a lot of stuff. I mean, he was fined $100,000 no matter what, and that's a pretty serious, and that's pretty serious. It's probably not the time you'd be happy to be injured when you just, when you got a $100,000 fine because I'm sure his downside coming from NXT isn't high. But he could make money being, and I'll put it this way, he would have come in beating John Cena at WrestleMania, and then he would probably be at the top of the card now. At least then he'd be making money, and now he's with the Lucha House Party, and that's not giant money just yet. I mean, of course, you're getting, they're grooming him for giant money, but that doesn't help time-wise. You know you take the guy out of the picture, and you know Vince McMahon is, how Vince McMahon is. Vince may just move on to the next toy, and I mean, I could see that happening. Maybe, or maybe, Vince, I mean, they don't have anyone like him. That's the thing. They don't have anybody else like him, so maybe. So, like, I don't like hearing news of people getting injured, but, I mean, let's be honest, man. Let's just be honest. The moment they had Law Sullivan come out on SmackDown during the go-home show of Super Showdown, and he did this nursery rhyme promo, like, you like nursery rhymes? You killed his aura right then and there. And you had the match at Super Showdown end in disqualification and the match that you should have got on Monday Night Raw. That's what should have been at Super Showdown. But you know what? It is what it is. I mean, I just like I just hope the injury is not serious because if it is, he's going to be out for a long, long time. And he's just going to be an afterthought. That's the best way I could say it. Now, who is hands-on with Lacey Evans and WWE? Well, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter... And they noted that Dana Warrior, who has a pretty important role in WWE's creative process, has been working hand with Evans hands-on. Now, Dave Meltzer said, and I quote, Dana Warrior was there working hands-on with Lacey Evans. I don't know that Lacey Evans is, I don't know if that Evans is a Warrior project, but that does, but she does work heavily with Evans on her promos. Even Evans' promos is still garbage. And I don't care if she's hands-on, but, man, let me just tell you right now, like, Lacey Evans should just go back to NXT so she could develop more. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from her character. She plays the character well, but her in-ring skills is just ass. It's just ass. That's the best way I could say it. Best way I could say it. WWE has big plans for Aleister Black. Will someone please fight me? You, that Alistair Black, who's been sitting in in the back for four weeks cutting this promo. 
asking for a fight. Now, Dave Meltzer noted on Wrestling Observer Radio that WWE has some big plans for Aleister Black. This is apparent by what is going on at the house shows. Meltzer said, and I quote, it does appear that there are some people behind Aleister Black, and rightfully so, because the dude is so talented. How can you call him up from NXT and you don't utilize this guy like he's a legit star? So we'll see if they do something with him. He beat Randy Orton at a house shows on Sunday and Monday night, which is a little bit of a surprise because they usually put baby faces over at house shows. But still, they don't have Randy Orton lose to people unless they're really pushing the guy. I think Randy Orton versus Aleister Black would be a good match. He got the RKO out of nowhere versus the Black Mass out of nowhere. And I think the story would be perfect. I think they would tell a great story if WWE does it right. But I think this match would be pretty good. And I even he- I heard, like I also heard that they're going to do do it with Randy Orton. They're going to do it with Randy Orton. They were going to do one with Shinsuke Nakamura, which I wouldn't mind. But I think Randy Orton makes the most sense to get this guy over. And I'm, I laughed so hard at this. So get your popcorn ready, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to have a nice little laugh. A nice little laugh. WWE looking hard for new writers. You don't say. You don't say. (laughs) So, this is what they said. The key responsibilities. Develop clearly defined yet emotionally complex characters for a diversive group of WWE superstars. (laughs) What diversive group? Of WWE superstars on Raw and SmackDown. When you see the same fucking guys over and over again. So that's a lie right there. That's lie number one. Script descriptive. Thought provoking. Edgy creative storylines for Raw. SmackDown Live. As well as NXT. No as well as programming on the WWE Network. I Edgy. There's nothing edgy about Raw or SmackDown Live. Just saying. So that's lie right there. Collaborative with Team of the Road and home-based writers to create compelling Monday Night Raws and SmackDown Live stories that capture a global audience fitting multiple demographics, provide punch-ups for specific scripted segments, as well as review the totally the totally of entire episodes of continuity and flow, and finally incorporate the consumer's insights and social media to deliver impactful storylines that are consistent with the WWE brand and each talent, skills, and history. And, uh... Oh my gosh, man. You gotta be out of your fucking mind if you want to work with WWE. You gotta be out of your mind because you're writing for an audience of one. I wouldn't even waste my time working for WWE because I know my ideas would be in the shredder. My ideas would be in the shredder. And I... Don't want that. I don't want that. And I would rather not work with WWE because you're writing for Vince McMahon. You're not writing for the fans. You're writing to appease the chairman who doesn't know jack shit about professional wrestling. He's out of touch. And that's my take on that. Like, you must be out of your mind if you want to work um, WWE as a writer. Because you know you're going to get things rejected. Oh my goodness, man. Monday Night Raw. What? I uh, what what Monday Night Raw? Oh yeah, that Raw because I care more about Square Enix's E3's uh co- presentation. Man, you got and yeah, that's how much I don't care about Monday Night Raw. Cuz 
Now I'm about to talk E3 for a second. So let's throw Raw out the window for a second. Square Enix did an amazing job. I paid more attention to that than I did Monday Night Raw, and I shit you not, I would I am not lying to you. Final Fantasy VII, the remake. Holy shit, I can't wait till next year. This is gonna be great. Gameplay looks nice, Tifa looks nice. Marvel's Avenger, need I say more? Like Square Enix, they hit a home run with this. That I found that to be more enjoyable than watching Monday Night Raw, by the way. So I'm about to go on my Twitter poll, see well, the Phoenix poll to see what we are looking at right now. Because I I also do polls on uh on Twitter, so Let's see if I could get it up as quick as I can. So, this is SmackDown. <clears throat> Here it is. For Monday Night Raw, 14% thumbs up, 36 votes in total, 22% thumbs down, 22% in the middle. Like, they're both in the middle. And 42% didn't watch, and rightfully so. So, Raw's ratings, they have dropped. And this is great. I like this. So, and it, I don't care if it's NBA competition. Their writing is absolutely garbage. Absolutely garbage. This week's show dropped to one of the least watched shows in the modern history, aside from Christmas and New Year's Eve. And this week's show was watched by 2.13 million viewers, a disappointing number that makes things unthinkable just for a few months ago. And even the last year round in time when they have faced heavy competition. So here's the hourly breakdown. Hour 1 was 2.38 million viewers. Hour 2 was 2.09 million viewers. Hour 3, 1.91 million viewers. And you wonder why they you wonder why WWE's like how how we um how we're like why the ratings are down, man. I thought everyone likes this type of shit. It's good shit. It's good shit, Vince McMahon says. So the show opened up with a generic promo with Rollins, Corbin, Owens, and Sami Zayn. Corbin literally has made a stipulation that he gets to choose a referee, a special guest referee. I I don't care about this. I don't care about this. Even with that stipulation, I just don't give a shit about it. We had Lars Sullivan defeating the Lucha House Party in an elimination match, a handicap elimination match. Kalisto was eliminated with the freak accident. Lince Dorado was uh, eliminated by um, by um, <clears throat> a power bomb, and Etalik was eliminated by a flying headbutt. So that was it. That was it. It did what it did. Cole interviewed Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch. I did not pay attention to this ma- to that because I just did not give a single shit about it. We had a backstage segment with Bliss and Nikki Cross. Alexa Bliss is trying to... Like, I don't know what they're doing with Nikki Cross, man. And I'm going to get on this when we get to SmackDown because this really, really, really pissed me off. They are humanizing Nikki Cross to the point where I just don't care. That I just don't care about her anymore. I want Nikki Cross to succeed. I think it would be better if Nikki Cross went to NXT UK. I think it would be better if Nikki Cross went back to NXT. And now she's in the storyline with Alexa Bliss, which I know for a fact she's that Alexa Bliss is going to turn on her. I mean, a blimp, a blithering idiot wouldn't see that coming. Anyway, we had Miz TV. This all led to a six-man tag 
with um, Ricochet teaming up with The Miz and Braun Strowman against Joe, Lashley, and Cesaro. Now, this match, I mean, you could say it was good, but I just didn't care. But the big talking point was Cesaro. Now, apparently, he was dealing with some sort of leg injury. Like, he was he was dealing with uh, an injured leg in, one of the, in that match, and uh, he was assisted out, but thankfully, he's okay. And that's all that matters. Hopefully, and now it's a fatal five-way on Raw to determine who faces Samoa Joe, which rightfully should be Ricochet because he got two wins over over Cesaro. Better yet, you should make this an elimination match. Like, I I don't want to see Braun Strowman win it because Braun Strowman, he's dead as water. I could care less about Braun Strowman. Bobby Lashley, I mean, what, what, what is Bobby Lashley? The Miz, he has fallen from grace. This babyface turn is a massive failure. A massive failure. Like, I prefer Miz as a heel. And Cesaro, I, I wouldn't mind him facing Samoa Joe. I wouldn't mind that. That would be a great match. But it's definitely Ricochet who's winning this match. We had Bliss and Evans versus uh, the champions. And the champions loses. May I ask why? May I ask why? Your champions should not be losing. Your champions should be treated like they should be protected. Like they shouldn't be losing matches. Because that loses the appeal of said titles around their waist. Trust me. Trust me. And by the way, the women's right is absolutely the worst finisher. I'm going to say this time and time again. The women's right is a garbage finishing move. And I'm not going to let that go. I'm not going to let that go. So your challengers beat said champions, which means to me, at stomping ground, they are losing. Champions should not be losing, period, end of story. It devalues the title. Champions should not be overexposed. Like, only save it when you build towards said matches. Take the NXT route. Look at how Shayna Baszler builds, his NXT, builds her NXT Women's title feud with Io Shirai. Just saying... We had Paul Heyman coming out again. He came out, talked about Brock Lesnar when he's cashing in. I did not care about this. My eyes were focused on E3 Square Enix presentation. We had the Iconics defeating Enhancement Talents, and, and, and they got a win. They got a win, by the way. They they got a win. But it's not against... Le- they want legit competition. So you're telling me Asuka and Kyrie Sane are not legit competition when you haven't even faced them and don't tell me, when you, when you haven't even faced them, you haven't even defended the titles yet. And don't tell me that the house show counts. No, it doesn't. I'm talking about television. Like, I'm at a point right now that they need to take the belts off the Iconics. They are doing no favors as champions. Yes, enhancement talent works. Enhancement talent works. But this is the Iconics we're talking about. I find them more enjoyable on social media, on Instagram, than I do in the ring. That's how bad it is. I don't care about it. I don't care about this. We had Shane McMahon. He celebrated his uh, win over Roman Reigns, which was a waste of my time. And like I said, Shane McMahon's getting more television time than most of the guys who deserves it. We had a triple threat for the Raw Tag Team Championships in which the Revival won. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why they won. Is it because they don't, they're don't? they promising everything to the Revival that they want them to stay? Is it because they don't want them to go to an all-elite wrestling where they could have match of the year candidates with the Young Bucks, Best Friends, Lucha Brothers, and Helico and Jack Evans? 
public private party, just to name a few, or Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, just throwing it out there, throwing it out there, they don't want the Revival to leave, and I wonder how their second reign is going to be. Because their first reign was absolutely terrible. Their second reign is going to be as worse as the first one. That's my take on it. Finally, we have Owens. He defeated Rollins via DQ. Sami Zayn was the outside referee. This was an overbooked garbage mat match. I just did not care about this. And he Rollins, he laid out um, uh, Sami Zayn, what the, or Michael Cole calls it, the stomp. The curb stomp or the blackout, whatever you want to call it. Dreadful episode of Monday Night Raw. It's just torturous to watch. And I don't want nobody telling me if you don't like it, don't watch it. I watch, I criticize, and that's what I'm good at. I criticize. SmackDown Live. SmackDown Live. 13 votes in total. Zero. Zero percent. Thumbs up. 38 for the middle and down. Tied. 24% did not watch. SmackDown has failed to draw over 2 million viewers. According to show Buzz Daily, this week's episode only averaged 1.93 million viewers. This number is considered a great disappointment, especially after the company recently started up its wildcard rule that allows talent from both brands to work either Raw or SmackDown. And they need to do away with the wildcard rule because it is killing SmackDown Live. It is killing WWE in general. This is just an excuse to get Roman Reigns on both shows. Need I say more? This wildcard rule makes no sense. We had 30 minutes of Shane McMahon on our television screen or on your laptop screen, whatever the hell you watch WWE on with Miz TV. We had, this led to a gauntlet match with Elias, Drew McIntyre, and if he beats both of them, he faces Shane McMahon. So, he beats Elias. Elias is a loser. We had Drew beating The Miz, and Shane just makes the match for himself, and he beats The Miz with a triangle choke. Fuck off with this bullshit. I don't want to see Shane McMahon. And by the way, I even heard rumors. I heard rumors. Like, even from Russell Votes. Like, What's the payoff of this big push with Shane McMahon? Apparently, in this vision, I shit you not, I had it in my head, and this is the ultimate nail in the coffin for WWE. This is the death arrow waiting to strike. They might give... Oh my goodness. They might have Shane McMahon beat Kofi Kingston to win the WWE Championship. And And if you want that, you are a fool. I don't want that. I don't want that. And I hope to God, I hope to the wrestling gods that WWE does not do shit like that. I hope to the wrestling gods that they don't book this crap. Because if they do, people are going to cancel their network ASAP. They're going to be, it's going to be a fast mass exodus of cancellations of the network as soon as you breathe. Uh, moving on. We have Heavy Machinery defeating Enhancement Talents. The, I'm trying to think. The YOLO uh, County Tag Team Champions. Those titles have more value than all the other tag team titles, including the women. It was originally going to be Daniel Bryan and uh, Rowan taking these guys on, but Heavy Machinery, he got the... Uh, he got the... Um, they got the match instead. 
and I love watching Otis. I watch. I love watching Otis wrestle, man. I'll, he's he's entertaining to watch, and that's the best way I could say about it. So if we get Heavy Machinery versus Daniel Bryan and and Rowan for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, that's a fresh match that I'm really looking forward to, and I think it would be a great match. We have Sonya Deville defeating Carmella. I did not care about this. I didn't care about this, and like I said, Alistair Black he cut a promo on uh he cut another promo asking for someone to fight him, and. Like, if it's Randy Orton, I'll be okay with it. I'll be absolutely okay with it. We had Bailey defeating Nikki Cross, and Nikki Cross came out to Alexa Bliss's team. I just don't understand why Nikki Cross can't have her own identity. Yeah, she comes out to Alexa Bliss's music because it's Alexa Bliss. She's Vince McMahon's right. She's Vince McMahon's favorite. So let's have Alexa Bliss theme play and have Nikki Cross come out to Alexa Bliss. And she loses. Now, Bailey needed that win. Good. Good. She needed that win. And of course, the New Day. Yep, Big E is back. Defeated KO, Sammy, and Dolph Ziggler. I just did not care about this match. SmackDown has become painfully boring. It's Monday Night Raw, but on a Tuesday. I just don't care. I don't give two shits about it. I don't, I just don't care. Like, it's hard to watch Raw and SmackDown. It really is. And it's like you get that sick feeling like, man, this show is going to get worse and worse about it. Like, when the day Vince steps down and knowing that he won't, he would rather die in a chair. I mean, I think we might see a big change coming out in WWE and like creatively. So moving on, let's talk about NXT. Velveteen Dream puts WWE's fault on the superstar, not on Vince McMahon. Now, this is what Velveteen Dream said on his Instagram. He said, let's play a game. Is it fair to critique Vince? I mean, after all, WWE is a form of entertainment. You do know WWE is a TV show, right? WWE is a TV show, but put, put on a cable and network TV. By who, you ask? The answer, Vince McMahon. Evil boss on screen and director of his TV show off screen. Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, etc. George Lucas directed Star Wars. Vince McMahon directs Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, I'm, I'm about to I'm about to like interrupt uh, Velveteen Dream's quote for a second, and he's directed everything else you watch from WWE for over the last 40 years. Yes, John, I am sure. The point is, when TV sucks, is because the actors and entertainers and stuntmen fail to entertain you. Vince can write all day. It's your favorites that has to make it entertaining. Star Wars was great in the 90s too. The new ones suck because the new actors suck. And yes, this is still a WWE thread. Game over. I mean, dream over. Alright, Velveteen Dream. Uh, Alright, Velveteen Dream. Now, alright, Velveteen Dream. Let's let's just... I hope this comes back and bites you in the ass when you get called up to the main roster. Like, I just... I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is with Velveteen it's it's not going to work out for him. It's just not going to work out for him. We have some more new NXT name changes. We have ACH. He's going by the name of Jordan Miles. We have Jonah Rock, who is going by the new name, Bronson Reed. And Garzar Jr., who I heard impressed a lot of people who stole the show at the latest tapings against Angel Garza. So, I'm looking forward to see what this guy can do. And... I think the, some of these names, they're going to take a while for me to get used to it. Now, Matt Riddle. 
Matt Riddle. He could say whatever he wants. Now, he talked about Goldberg at Super Showdown and how that match was absolutely terrible. And he even mentioned Lacey Evans. This is what he tweeted at a fan. He said, she must have watched Super Showdown. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Matt Riddle is absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And I think... um, And I think this is absolutely great for Matt Riddle. Um, NXT superstar dealing with an injury. Um, Kyle O'Reilly was um, supposed to uh, compete at the UK Download Festival, but unfortunately he's dealing with a back injury. But he managed to do those tapings, and I don't think he was involved physically. So he tweeted out, The medical man told me that my back is still hurt, so unfortunately I won't be able to attend Download Fest this year. I'm sorry to all the great UK fans. Believe me, I'm gutted to I'm gutted to be missing Tool, but at least now Rick Bugs has an actual chance of winning the air guitar contest. <laughs> but um I hope he makes a speedy recovery and uh hopefully it's not as serious as people fear. Now Stephanie McMahon, she held a pep talk for NXT superstar convincing them not to leave. Oh gee. I wonder why. Now, during the latest Wrestling Observer Radio, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer spoke about a meeting that Stephanie McMahon held for NXT superstars before yesterday's tapings. This was said to be a typical rah rah siskamba uh, speech for WWE. But there's an underlying message. Now, I think Meltzer said, and I quote, they're trying to convince people not to leave with the idea that your career is over when you leave. Oh, really now? So, if I leave WWE, my career is over? Why don't you ask Kenta? Why don't you ask Sean Spears? Why don't you ask John Moxley? Why don't you ask Pac? Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> they're trying to convince the fans of it, too. Like, they're doing all this subtle things, like that stuff with the local wrestlers, like on 205 Live, with the idea of, like, you're not in WWE, then you're a joke. YOLO County Tag Team Champions or something. Yeah, they're trying to get this. It's WWE or it doesn't count. You're not in wrestling. They used to do this before, like, when Cody left, like, of your careers. Over the minute, you leave, and more, most of the guys were believing it were believing it then. But now, none of them are believing it anymore, and these guys who are leaving are all happier that they're gone, so now it's exposed. Yeah, yeah, good luck trying to keep your guys from leaving WWE unless you promise them the world that things are going to get better, things are going to change. Things are not going to change unless Vince McMahon is in position. Give it to Triple H, please. That's all I ask for. That is all I ask for. So let's continue with NXT. Um, Io Shirai, Cancel Ray versus Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. It ended in a no contest. This match didn't do any favors for me, but the brawl was pretty cool. Seeing Shayna and EO brawling absolutely is impressive. And during one of the tape, like I, I saw the tapings, and you're going to like what's going to happen. Two weeks, we're going to have, excuse me, we're going to have a steel cage match for the NXT Women's Championship, which I heard from many people saying that it was an excellent match. It was the best match on the tapings. So, I'm looking forward to that. Damian Priest, he's going to be making his debut next week. We have Kushida beating Drew Gulak in a submission match, which I thought was really good. Um, and finally, we have Oni Lorcan and Danny Burst defeating the Undisputed Era of Red Dragon via a roll-up. 
So I thought this was a good match. Did what it had to do. And now let's transition to NXT UK. Now, Martina, you may know Session Moth Martina. In a recent report from Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer made note that he has heard that UK standout Martina will be signing with WWE if she has not already. Now, I understand um, I understand that, uh, that NXT UK is trying to build towards their women's division, which I think is a smart move, but they really need to... But not just the women's division, they need to build towards their tag team division as well. Just throwing that idea out there. Now, she took part in the most recent WWE UK trial, which featured only female wrestlers from across the Europe and Australia. She's a former ICW women's champion, recently made her de- debuts for promotions such as Stardom in Japan, where she joined Oedo Tai. She's also made appearance in North America from Rise, Shimmer, AIW, and WrestleCon show over WrestleMania weekend. Now, this might be an interesting signing. I'm not going to lie to you right here, guys. I think this might be an interesting signing. But let's see how they utilize her. And then we'll talk if she is close to signing with the company. And if she is signed, congratulations. Hopefully you do well. That's all I say. Hopefully you do well. Now, NXT UK, I did watch it. I thought, like, the big takeaway from that match was... um. That, that main event with British Strong Style Imperium. And by the way, that entrance with Imperium is so fantastic. It's, it's just, I just get goosebumps every time I see that entrance. But the big takeaway was Alexander Wolf. He made a surprise appearance at NXT UK. He will be staying in NXT UK. And I think this is a great moment for him. A really great moment for him. And he joins Imperium in which Imperium beat British Strong Style. So... I actually like this. I really, really, really like this. Now, before we close out the show, it's like I said in the beginning, I forgot to do the top 10 for the women I want to see in a Mae Young Classic. So we are currently at number seven of the women I want of women I want to see in a Mae Young Classic. So, well, you can't have one twisted sister with Thunder Rosa without the other. So my number seven is Holla Dead. And I literally have a keychain of Holiday on my keys. I think Holiday would be great. She brings she like brings her character to real life and makes it feel so important. She's one half of Twisted Sisters, one of my favorite tag teams in the women's uh in women's wrestling. Sorry, Sky Pirates and Kabuki Warriors. I'm sorry. Um but I think Holly, like I think with Thunder Rosa and Holiday, you might even see a match between these two twisted sisters, and I actually wouldn't mind it. I think Holiday is great. She's one half of the te- she held t- tag title gold with uh, Thunder Rosa, but I think she- and she's also great at sing as singles competition. She even had like I even watched her last year take on Lufisto for the Shine Championship at the time. Really good match. A really, really good match. And it was a nice thing to experience, you know? A really, really nice thing to experience uh, Holiday in singles competition. Like, she's working in uh, in uh, WOW, which is an all-women's promotion. So, I think she has that potential. She And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I think she was an enhancement talent once for uh, Nia Jax, if I'm correct. And I think this was, like, years ago. So... I, I think Holiday would be perfect. She could bring that character to life in that Mae Young Classic. So, 
that's number seven. And um, we're going to end it right here, guys. And we are two episodes in. Two episodes. We're two episodes away from reaching the Phoenix mailbag. So if you have any questions, please email me your wrestling related questions at the one and only Phoenix1993 at gmail.com. Please include your name and where you're from. That way I can shout you out because I am a generous man. I'll let you know on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. Follow me on Instagram. Cool man sip like the Facebook page and I will see you guys next time whether it's whether I record Friday or Saturday but most definitely it might be on on a Friday so since I'm going to be at a wrestling show and, I, and my voice will be shot by the time I will be uh recording on a Sunday so I think it's best you might get it a little bit early so I will see you guys next time I'll talk to you guys later have a blessed day God bless <laughs>